Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on a mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips and insights into work life and insurance in hope to inspire diverse talent to join and remain within the industry. The insurance profession is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Sam, welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. I can't stress enough how excited I am for this episode. Me too. (laughs) And it's been in the coming, so thank you for being patient with me. I really appreciate it. And for those who don't know you, though I honestly think there can't be many, um, please introduce yourself. So I'm Sam Ridgewell, Managing Director of Empower Development. We're a training organisation that helps people progress their careers within insurance. And also uh, a TikToker uh, on insurance TikTok. Um, so kind of inside and outside work to to kind of places that people might recognize me from. Can I just say, I love that you said you were a TikToker because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of toying with this idea we should start this influ- insurance influencer, you know, where you identify as insurance influencer. I feel like you're trailblazing that thing. So I love that you actually introduce yourself that way. Yeah. And actually one of the new gem projects um, last year yeah. created that insurance influencer uh, campaign. And actually, if you go and search insurance influencer, you will uh, come across uh, Yasmin's page on there as well. So they're there's definitely a, a something starting. Yes, yes. I've, I've had two ladies from that program actually come in and talk about it. And I was joking to them that what we really should do, you know, um, on TikTok and Instagram, you get these like travel influences and these gowns and beautiful mm-hmm. locations. Like, we should do that around the city. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I think if anyone would be up for that. <laughs> oh, I'm up for it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So there's just, there's so many ideas. My issue is trying to fit them in uh, and not lose sight of the fact that it's meant to be something I do on yes. the side of my job. Because um, it, it is, it's endless the opportunity with it. So the more people, the better. Yeah. Um, so I start always this podcast with a question, career and insurance, choice or a chance? What was it for you? Um Definitely chance. I'd probably actually say accident. Take it a step further. Uh, by that, I mean, um, I can remember walking to my job interview. It was an interview at Liberty. Um, and back when they were in Plantation Place, I was on the phone to uh, my partner at the time. We might come on to that later, actually, um, about the interview. And I was like, okay, talk me through it. Sorry. So it's Lloyd's, but it's not Lloyd's a syndicate, I don't get it. And he's like, yeah, well, basically it's part of Lloyd's, but it's not actually Lloyd's. I'm like, okay, I think I've got it. I've got it. So I go into the interview, had the interview all about the job. And then they're like, so why do you want to work here? It was a temporary role. So it was very fair to say, you know, I see this as a really good opportunity to uh, be part of the the bigger brand of Lloyd's. So I was like, I understand it's not Lloyd's, but because it's part of Lloyd's, I think that's going to give me lots of opportunity. And I got the feedback that they really liked how well I understood the market um I was genuinely talking about the bank I had no idea that this was not something to do with the bank I was like it's an insurance arm of the bank and I honestly think it took me about three weeks to just be like what sorry it's it's nothing to do with the bank and I remember actually having a really um naive thought looking back on it where all these underwriters kept leaving the office every day to go to Lloyd's and I remember thinking our taxi account must have an enormous bill every month. Like, why are we all going to a different office there and back every day with no understanding that everyone was like just walking around this little bubble? That is 
brilliant. <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So that's why I really empathize with people when they don't have a clue about the market coming into it. And you know, I think we still get people that get through the door somehow or some way and they still kind of turn up and go, so sorry, so this is not a bank? No, we absolutely do. I asked that question last year at a YMC event. So YMC event, um, there must have been, I think there was about 80 people there. And I did just say like, show of hands, right? No judgment. Um, how many of you didn't understand that Lloyd's had nothing to do with the bank? Like when you were doing your recruitment process, about a third of the room put their hands up. Um, and that's okay. Like yeah. we don't, we don't need to be you know, <laughs> embarrassed about that. We just need to change that. Yes, definitely. Definitely do. I mean, you've had a very interesting career because you've started in HR and learning development and um, now you have your own business. It's been five years. I've listened to the podcast recently of your journey and I just thought, <laughs> wow, five years, that's gone fast. Yeah. And so much has happened. So talk to me about that kind of starting in chat and then having this idea of actually branching out into having your own business. How has that been? Yeah. So I was really lucky at A-levels to have um, a teacher who kind of really got to know me and, and she really understood me. Um, and I remember saying to her, like, I don't know what I meant to do like when I grow up. And she just said, you should look at HR. You'd be really good at that. Um, so she showed me a page in a book and I was like doing business studies, law and psychology. So actually you know, it kind of is HR. Um, and I remember looking at this page and being like, well, that sounds all right. And I remember looking and seeing the bit where it said like earning potential. Um, and I think at the time it maybe said something like 120 grand or something. I thought, well, okay, this, this, that'll do. And that's about as much research as I probably put into it. And then I started applying for HR degrees. Um, probably important to say, no one in my family had had gone to university, worked in an office, any of that kind of background at all, um, not even A-levels. So uh, if it wasn't for her, I, I probably wouldn't have even gone to university, let alone headed in that route. So um, I fell in love with HR because I'm, I've always been quite commercial. My parents did have their own business, they had a toy shop. Um, so I, I liked the idea of running a business, but I also liked the, the people aspect of it. So I went into HR, really enjoyed it. Like I say, I started this job and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And one of the things I didn't understand was all these people asking me to book them on LM1, Lloyd's tests, things at the time, continuous assessments, all these phrases that um, those, those with a bit more experience might remember more so. Um, and in all honesty, I made a couple of mistakes when I was booking people on their exams because I didn't understand what they were asking me for. Yeah. So I thought if I sit a couple of these, I will understand, I'll be able to come at it from their, their level. And when they ask me questions, I'll, I'll know the answer. Um, and what harm can it do? You know, I had a two hour commute at that time. I might as well have studied. Um, so I did my cert and as I'm sat around the table, I'm sort of sat with underwriters claims and so on. And I liked them, you know, they were becoming my friends. I'm like, this is cool. I like being part of this and I'm learning a lot and I'm understanding the business. And I found that if I went out for lunch with people in the business, they'd start talking about insurance and they'd look at me like, oh, I'm sorry. As in, oh, you're HR, sorry. Yes. I'm talking shop. And I'd be like, no, no, I, I get it. I keep talking. I'm interested. And they were almost um, like excited at my interest. I was like, this is actually amazing. So I did my cert and thought, I'm just, I'll go on. I'll carry on. And I carried on to get my ACII. Um, and then um, started kind of helping people a little bit with their stuff. And that's where I sort of accidentally almost started training. And then there was this life-changing conversation that, that probably happened. Um, well, it definitely happened. I just, I, I consider this the life-changing conversation yes. uh, where our CEO decided um, he wanted us to have a graduate scheme. Liberty was very small when I joined. It was 150 people. So we were going through a dramatic kind of period of growth. Uh, and I remember going into his office and he said to me, I want a grad scheme. I want it to be called the Liberty Academy. 
everything else is up to you. I don't mind. Wow. And I'm really quite junior actually mm. in my career at this point. Uh, there's no one else in the team that's ever done a grad scheme as well. So it's not kind of someone to lean on. And I remember thinking like, okay, this, this is, this is a lot, but well up for it. Yeah. This was in July. Now I said to him, so we're we talking about sort of next September. And he's like, no, 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 in September. I was like, so like in seven weeks. So I normally take a little bit of time. And, and this is the bit that was life-changing. He said to me, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work, just try. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. I've got the, basically the freedom to fail mm. and just have a go. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, what can what, what's the worst that can happen so really by the end of kind of getting all of this signed off I had four weeks one week to advertise the jobs got about 120 applications through through kind of those obvious websites one week to shortlist for an assessment day which really consisted of me doing video interviews um on my laptop wherever I could including going to a Hindu um and uh, actually having to get up on a Saturday morning to fit in like three of the people that couldn't fit in in the week. So I was like up on a Saturday morning and do it in, wow. in, Pre- in Brighton doing video interviews. <laughs> and one of the people I spoke to that day, she, she got the job and she's uh, still there now. It's amazing. Oh, so amazing. it was well worth it. Um, and then a week doing the assessment centers, which I had some really great people in the business um, who were, uh, well, I'll shout them out, Lizzie Dexter, Tom Murray, who were absolutely uh, a real good insight who'd gone through kind of that graduate mindset and helped me build the assessment mm. day and, and help me um, with the types of things that as underwriters they might be looking for. So we did the assessment center and then in the final stage with presentation with the CEO, some other directors. Um, we found three people and then I had a week to create their whole development plan wow. um, for them to come in. Um, and uh, they're still there now, the three people, you know, so it's a like, great year. But then I had for the following year, all that time to, look at what was worth adding. Yes. So rather than start from scratch with this massive project, mm. I started really small and then deliberately added stuff in, which I think never made the process longer than it had to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I was just like, oh, I love this. Mm-hmm. The, the nurturing, the the bond, the connection, watching people and knowing they can come to you and you can you can help them. Right? It might not be me that solves the problem, but I can certainly connect them to the person. And then I was like, oh, this is this is the bit I really like. Um, and because Liberty was growing, then my role moved directly to that. The team grew out in that. I had so much autonomy because there was no one who'd done it before to be like, let's do a mentoring scheme. Let's do a lunch and learn series and just come up with an idea and, and, and do it. Yeah. And it was almost like I was, I had my own budget. I had my own sort of autonomy. Um, it was almost like I was running my own business yeah. within, within it to, yeah. to some extent. So by the time I decided to go and run my own business, the whole concept of coming up with an idea and, and rolling with it and budgeting for it and all of that, 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 that was all fine. I was quite used to that. Yeah. Um, the, the hardest thing, um, two, two hardest things probably, uh, one was the loneliness. Mm-hmm. So going from having a team that I loved, um, so many friends in the business, so many grads and school leavers that I come through that, you know, I, I just couldn't walk around the office without bumping into someone I genuinely loved um, to working on my own. Uh, and we used to people say, working for yourself. I'd be like, no, working by yourself. Like it's <laughs> hard. Um, and then the other thing was this voice in my head that kept telling me I was too young. Yes. So most trainers in particular tend to do it later in their career. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to have the credibility yet. Um, and there was one pinnacle moment 
where I was doing a presentation for the women in claims group, a training session for them on psychometrics, different communication styles. And I remember in that session saying, you know, if anyone wants to meet for a coffee, always up for a chat, but obviously like I work for Liberty, I can't come do this around the market. And despite me saying that, I had three people get in touch and say, can you come and do this for my team? And I was like, oh, I am ready. Like, why am I telling myself I'm not ready? Um, And then that was it. So I had a conversation with with my my boss and I said, like, my next job is going to be working for myself. Mm. It's not going to be tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably thinking like a year, 18 months from now. So instead of, you know, promotions and all that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm not worried. Like, take, take me out of your, your considerations mm. as you're kind of looking at how you um, allocate things for people. I just want as many training opportunities and chance to get experience as I could just to make that jump as small as it was. Um and then um, what actually ended up happening was I got pregnant. Right. Um, which was uh, not actually, the, I feel awful saying that, but not actually the plan at that time. And mm. quite a surprise because it wasn't expected that, that things could happen that quickly for me. But um, it was a, absolutely um, a, a gift in more ways than one. Because uh, what that gave me was the opportunity to leave my role, which yes. I knew leaving my role and, and deciding now was the time was going to be hard because emotionally separating from it was going to always be a challenge. Yeah. Um, but in addition, it meant that um, I kind of had this time frame where um, I could leave the business and have lower risk. Mm. So what I had was a conversation and being in HR, I think we're privy to conversations and we're able to ask for things maybe because we can see how things work behind the scenes. So I think it's really important to share this conversation in case this helps anyone. But I could see that I was leaving to go on maternity leave. The business were going to get a new maternity cover. Mm. I probably knew I wasn't going to come back. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be ideal for the business to get a maternity cover in and then get another person mm. if I wasn't going to come back. So there was a bit of a win-win in being transparent here. So I said to them, look, I'm, I have I have plans to not come back. Um, I also don't have any plans to walk away without my maternity pay and my bonus and all my benefits. Um, so how about we um, kind of come to just a, a sensible agreement where um, I can have that and I'll resign and you can just replace me straight off. Um, and actually I got um, almost sort of thank you messages for just being so transparent so on with it because the business could to, could go on and um, continue to um, have a good relationship with them. Um, but it also meant that I had my maternity pay as a bit of a buffer just to take that pressure off for yeah. the first year. And if I didn't get any work, no problem. I was going to be on maternity anyway. And if I got work, brilliant. Like yes. it's going in the direction I want it to. And I think that less lesser pressure kind of just allowed me to have a bit of fun with it and just mm. kind of follow what I wanted to do. Um, and then from there, the rest just kind of carried on. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, so many important points there and, and, and what, a, what an incredible story and how you've turned certain situations into positive that a lot of people wouldn't. And I think that's such an important takeaway, but that transparency piece, um, we are very afraid to be transparent with our managers and it's changing, but it's still not there. And I think I've always been, I found that every time I've been transparent about what's going on in my life or what I want, nine out of 10 people appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And um, I love the piece around, you said, well, listen guys, this is the situation. This is not a win-win for you. This is not a ideal for you. This is not ideal for me unless we're transparent and this is how we can get around to it. So it's actually presenting a problem and then solution mm-hmm. for it. So if someone is sitting here listening and they're going, I'm not really disclosing everything, but it would it feels heavy if you're not disclosing mm-hmm. everything, right? How do you start that conversation? How do you approach that difficult conversation? Yeah. And be transparent. So 
I think something that's quite key is is having lots of little conversations over time so things don't bubble up like a pressure cooker. Because if you wait to the time you have to have the conversation, quite often by that point, I say this with experience, I'm not saying this as someone that never does this, mm. <laughs> um, you're so emotional about the subject that it's very hard to go into that conversation looking collaborative, looking open, your body language is even defensive. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't often go the way you want it to. So if you never have those conversations until you have to, mm. quite often when you have to have them, they're going to be hard. Whereas if you have little ones, so because I'd lined it up with my manager and said, by the way, my next job is going to be this. And, and of course, like, you know, with a time frame that's fair and reasonable and realistic, yeah. um, then you, that dialogue's there. You've already, you've already kind of laid the seeds. Yes. So that, that conversation at that point, there was no surprise. Like, oh, you're going to go and do that. That, yeah. that wasn't a surprise. It was more like, oh, well, okay, cool. Cause we could obviously not ask you if you're not coming back. So brilliant. You've approached this conversation. So I, th- I think there's, there's that you've got to have the trust beforehand. If you yes. haven't got the trust, those conversations are always going to be tricky. So there's just get your relationships wherever you can build them as honestly and openly wherever you can. Um, cause when you need them, they're there. You can't build them when you need them. No, I think it's, it's really, really important. So you have that kind of foundation so you can have that conversation when that time comes, no matter how difficult it is. But I also think, when it comes to your career, we seem to have this thing that when we're not aligned or when we're thinking something is not working or we want a big change, we just jump the ship. Whereas mm. I think there's a missed opportunity, especially for organizations to create that culture of transparent conversation. Because if I'm unhappy in my current role or maybe my circumstances have changed and I want something else, if I openly say that to my manager, it might be that I just need to shift to another team. Yeah. And and that, you know, because I love the company, I love the everything that is about it. I just want something different or whatever my situation changed. Like if we talk more this way, more transparency, mm-hmm. I think the retention would be much higher. You know, the satisfaction of job satisfaction would be much higher. So there's a lot there to take away. Yeah. And uh, I'm a big fan, um, <laughs> Stephen Covey, uh, the book, um, seven habits, highly effective people mm. Habit number one, being proactive. What can you control? And it's great to say companies can create a culture of this. Mm. At the end of the day, it's particularly in large companies, that kind of culture is, uh, dependent on the manager, dependent yeah. on the department. So it's even going to, it's probably going to be there in pockets and not in others. Mm. So what can you control? And that key phrase is, so what, so what can you do about it? Um, the whole reason the business is called empower development is because I, I truly believe you have to empower people to run their own development. Yes. Companies can't Can't. just put it on for you. Uh, You have, you have to have the ownership to make the most out of it. Uh, And in those conversations, brilliant. If the company has that culture, um, brilliant. If your appraisal has something like, um, uh, what do you want to do in three years time? In fact, I have a question in my appraisals for my team, Mm. which is if you weren't here in a year's time, what would be the reason? So I I make people tell me like, and you know, and of course they can say, oh, there's absolutely no reason, but, but most of them will say something. Um, and then it gives me the, the autonomy to change it, um, or, or have a conversation about it because it's it's just unrealistic to think every single employee has every plan of being with you forever. Um, so great if a company can do that, you can't control that. The company's Mm. operation is far beyond you you can control the conversations you're having and, and state your intentions you know i want to have i want to have open conversations with you because I, I want to be here for a long time so i want to make sure we have that dialogue um these are my plans uh, and as long as you're not saying you know i want your job and i want it in six months right you can say things like i'd love your job one day if there's any opportunities you have anything that's kind of in your workload that you want to delegate and you're looking around at where to go to my hands up i'm here i, I will happily take on more 
then you can actually tell your manager you want their job in a really like positive way. And you can help them. Someone gave me a long time advice that if you want a promotion, often people don't get promoted because they actually doing a great job in their, in their position. Mm-hmm. So if you come in going, I have this person lined up for my job. I think this is why they're a great candidate to so now you can move me on to the next job. That is a much better sale than I just want to, get promoted I don't care what happens because there's a piece of work I don't care what happens with that work so I I like that lining Mm. up I think that's so so powerful and the whole thing about owning your own career and owning your empowering like you said for your thing this thing around glass ceiling right and I think the biggest glass ceiling is yourself Mm -hmm. and then it's the rest of (laughs) whatever but like you are you put that ceiling right there oh yeah I'll tell you in another uh, self-reflection I, I yeah. have often that makes me really laugh my first HR experience was in a uh, placement year in a in a bank um I was earning 14,000 pound a year and I remember looking at someone in the team that was earning 40,000 pound a year and thinking if I ever earn that I have made it mm. right now from my background that that was that yeah. was made it um so that was my glass ceiling right yeah. not even glass ceiling that was my goal yeah. and then you know I remember when I started making that and I was like mm. oh this is a bit early. Like this was kind of my life goal, you know, um, what's next, you know? And then I put another ceiling on and then I was like, Oh, that's now a goal. And then like, you hit that and you think, why am I putting these like goals on there? Like, I, you know, there, there is no limit on this. Like I, I just need to do what I want to do. And, um, and then just trust that, that the, the rewards come from it. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's so, so important. I think we can go on about this topic for quite a while, but I want us to move on one more thing about before we start recording, we're talking about name change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very excited we get to talk about it on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, cause it's a news, uh, but there is a big thing around building personal brand and quite honestly, a big part of a personal brand is your name, mm-hmm. right? Cause people remember your name. So you have, something coming that would people know you by your name how is that yeah work? um so the good news is i'm i'm getting married in exactly. uh, in june i had to stall there <laughs> i'm not making I'm, I'm having a wedding party rather than a, a marriage so it's only four months from when we're recording this um <laughs> i've barely booked a thing uh, but it's fine because it's just a party i'm not going to overcomplicate it um So for me, of course that, that's a name change but there's a lot more complicated kind of backstory even more to this um so I think this is kind of quite fun to say as a sentence, but my name is not Samantha Ridgewell. <laughs> it's literally not my name. Um, firstly, no one calls me Samantha that knows me. Um, I just remember in my first job, and again, this is a, a funny mindset um, that just started and then stuck with me, which is if I wrote Sam, um, people might assume I'm a guy and I wanted them to know when they came in the office, like I, I want them to know I'm a, um, I was a girl, right? So I wrote Samantha. Um no one calls me Samantha. So I'm still right, Samantha. Uh, Ridgewell is my ex-husband's name. So I got divorced when I was 26, uh, which I know sounds incredibly early. You should hear when I got married, if you think that's early. <laughs> I was married at 22, divorced at 26. And I um, already had a bit of a, you know, I had a brand. I mean, but in comparison to where it is now, it was it was so far, you know, nothing. Uh, but internally, you know, and everyone knew me like that. I didn't want to change my name because at 26, I was really aware that everyone would just assume I've got married and start saying congratulations. Yeah. And then I'd have to say, oh no. And then I'd have to see that look in their face where they think, oh God, I put my foot in it. And then everything's awkward. And I just didn't want to have that conversation over and over again. So I just thought, oh, I'll just stick with it. I'll deal with that later. And then like later never came basically. <laughs> so, um, so my 
children of course have my partner's name and and now it's hilarious I go to a hotel uh, and then uh, we were just in Disney and they kept going like oh the Cockroft family and the kids are looking at me like who are they (laughs) well that's us because outside of work I'm Cockroft but then I go to a hotel and then they're like what's your name I'm like oh I don't know is it Cockroft is it Ridgewell and they look at me like I'm I'm mad (laughs) and now I'm going to have a third name which is Leiden right so I need to obviously have one name but three names is not an option two two names was hard enough job you do right might be handy, oh, but not in this one. Yeah. So, um, so I will be rebranded. I'm going for a rebranding exercise this year. Uh, I'm going to stick with Samantha because I do quite like writing that. Weirdly, I like the way it looks. I, d- I know that's a no, weird thing to say, no, but I do. Right. So, uh, so it'll be Samantha Lydon. But as soon as you meet me, you can absolutely call me Sam. No, no need to call me Samantha. Um, so I will be going through uh, <laughs> an exercise of trying to um, make sure people uh, know who I am when I start posting on LinkedIn with a different name. I think it's such a such an interesting one because I've had this conversation a few times about when you get married and you change your name. And as a, like as a woman, we go through that: do I change it? Do I not change mm-hmm. it? Do I, you know, how how do I get to know? And and there is that brand piece attached to it because I went through years of not using my maiden surname, which was Zhukovska, which kind of gave away that I'm Polish because I was actually. Um, not ashamed, but it, like I hated that stereotype the straight away followed. As soon as I said I'm Polish, people were like, oh, I know a great builder. And I'm like, great, okay, brilliant. I don't know them. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and it was just so I went through a phase of being afraid of using it. Then I've realized that actually makes people remember and they just go, oh, this one with a weird sending. Again, not the best sentence, but mm-hmm. it made me stand out. So then I proudly, proudly start saying Sandra Zhukovska. And people remembered me. So when I got married, I was like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. So on my LinkedIn, you still see Zhukovska because I still get people, when I say I'm Sandra Lewin, people look at me and I said, I, we used to work together. And I go, you know, Zhukovska. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would be interesting the journey you'll be on. Yeah. Where you'll be introducing yourself with new name. Yeah. But still, like, getting people used to it yeah I mean I'd much prefer it if I, I could just get to the point where I was you know um <laughs> Brittany Beyonce like let's just drop the surname <laughs> but of course Sam is quite a common name <laughs> um so I, I you know <laughs> I'm changing the first yeah just just drop a surname completely uh unfortunately LinkedIn doesn't let you do that <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's such a minefield. And, you know, I don't say this with any recommendation of what the right answer is. It's just, it's a reality that, um, a lot of women have to face this choice and challenge. Um, and when your brand and your network and your connections are sort of a key part of your career, this, this is something that, you know, we have to uh, take, um, some kind of proactive action with when you are changing yeah. your name to make sure that your your connections and so on you know don't lose touch with you no no and and yeah and it's your personal choice like you said but, I mean talking about a personal brand and talking about sort of um putting your name out there apart from running your business which busy enough is growing and it's incredible you have a podcast mm-hmm. and you also have tiktok which you've mentioned mm. and it's part of your identity now as well I mean, your TikTok, 26,000 followers. Mm. Amazing. And On insurance I, TikTok, who would have thought it? <laughs> and I've written that down because that really got me. 388,000 likes mm-hmm. on your TikTok, mm. right? I mean, it's been, what, two years you've been doing that? Probably longer. Not consistently. Yeah. I started it in lockdown. Um and I probably had a kind of a, a good year where I really wasn't taking it very seriously. 
um, not, that's probably not fair to say, just consistency. Consistency is the main thing and it's the hardest thing. I think it's very easy to look at what influencers do um, on TikTok or other social media channels and go, well, that's so easy. Like it, it's not the individual posts that are hard. It's the fact that you're doing it every day like to do well on tiktok i should be posting two videos a day and a lot of that requires me to just be in the mood to put my face on camera and i'm not all the time um and then also the guilt of oh i haven't replied to that email and then if i put a tiktok up they're gonna think well she hasn't replied to her email but she's tiktok in you know so glad you said exactly what my head is like yeah no no these are scheduled like i wasn't on my like i literally find myself sometimes explaining to people that yeah i just these things were scheduled. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I just have days where I just wake up and I kind of feel like I'm in a creativity mood today. Yeah. I just want to make TikToks and, and, and I'm kind of like, yeah. right, what can wait? Because I'm going to go for it today. Yeah. So I kind of do um, bulk them. And then the, the sensible thing to do is to hold them back and feed out one a day. Um, I'm incredibly um, impulsive, which means that when I have all of these videos set in my drafts, I can't help myself but want to post them. So I'll post five in a day and then nothing for the rest of the week. So I'm really trying this year to hold back on that and, and create some kind of consistency with it because the impact is huge. Um, I think if I if I looked the other day, um, something like in the last month, I think it was something like 700,000 views. And how many people have you actually, it, like you've recruited and introduced people yeah. to the industry. I think there's, there's views and followers, which is super important, but actually what comes of the end of it? I don't think many people, I think increasingly people start to un- understand the impact that you are having on the industry. But I say it's a lot of times whenever someone mentions your name, I'm like, but do you realize that these TikToks actually changing industry image and you're changing people's lives. Yeah. I met with Fran who has yeah. a big TikTok following and she does a lot of stuff. You know, she found, even though she knew about insurance, she still didn't go into it until she saw your yeah. TikTok. She sent me her CV. I was doing CV reviews yeah. at the time. I reviewed her CV um, and then a job came up and there was, wasn't too many people messaging me at that time. So I was able to kind of say, hey, um, you look at this. Uh, now we've got so many people. It's, I've had to kind of come up with mechanisms to, to scale it. I think, um, and I am determined to try and find a way of doing this. You know, if if you are listening to this and TikTok either was where you came across it or it helped you in your journey, please message me because I I do need to start making data on this and loads of people messaged me over over the time and I just haven't so anecdotally I think it's about um about 200 people through TikTok and I'd add to that Interinsurance the course that I run throughout the year that's sponsored by the Worshipable Company of Insurers Charitable Trust which is to help people uh, once they're interested in insurance understand a bit about the jobs help them with their CVs um and all kinds of things with that like level of the playing field of the actual assessment day uh, for, so people without advice at home have, have that kind of same opportunity. There are um, about 170 people in the market who did that course. So the, uh, I just got goosebumps saying that. It's like, like it's, it's so, um, it's, it's so impactful, but w- like, it's, it's just, it catches me off guard every time I did the induction at uh, Lloyd's um, in September. And during that day, there were two people that came up to me that said they had explicitly only found out about Lloyd's uh, because of the video. Uh, and then about for about the room, there was, there was about a third of the room who would use the videos to help them with their recruitment process. Um, and it's just, it like, it's just amazing. But, it, but, but what's happening now is because it works, um, I just, I, I feel so responsible yes. to do more with it. 
at the moment I've got this morning, actually, I was looking, I've got 30 messages in my TikTok. And these aren't quick question messages. These are people telling me their whole background, why they want to do this and asking me for all kinds of guidance. And, um, I want to reply to them because if I don't, then what's the whole point? You know, yeah. like the whole idea is to help them move, move across. So I am trying to come up with more ways to, um, to facilitate that either with help of other people or, um, uh, kind of replying in video. So I can kind of bulk reply to people who are asking similar questions, things like that. I'm just trying to really give some thought to make sure, um, it's still manageable as that engagement increases. And I think you've you've kind of answered that question because it's it's you are making an incredible impact and like I said on people on industry. Why to do it? You know, <laughs> like you have your business, yeah. you're very successful in your business, and it takes, as you've said, creating good content. People really underestimate until they start doing it. It takes time and mm. it takes money. It takes you know. Why did you do it? So if we go back to that first conversation of me knowing nothing about it mm. and then doing that graduate recruitment and, and seeing the difference between, um, you know, people who would share, you know, great advice they got home the night before confidence boosting conversations they had and people that didn't. Um, and I just kind of can see that disparity and then being in HR and seeing all this information, just think, I didn't know that. Mm. What, like reading people's applications and thinking, I didn't know that that would look good, but that looks great. And I just kind of had this real awareness of, of how little I knew that was actually quite clear and obvious if someone tells you. And for me, that transparency of of knowledge, if we look at diversity and equal opportunities, then knowledge is is the main exclusive item that I think that that maybe we have around the the industry in terms of exclusive knowledge that it exists, um, where you find the jobs, how you find the jobs, and then when you turn up, like being able to explain what those jobs are. And if we can make all of that information free and accessible, then the whole journey of diversity just just changes um, from day one. And, And that's the same motto for me with the business when we're in the business. So we do a lot of courses on managing your career and career conversations and so on, because that transparency of how you get promoted, again, in HR, you would see that. You'd have these talent conversations and managers would be telling you why one person and why not another. And I'm thinking, well, that makes sense. Do we tell anyone that? Mm-hmm. So that that kind of that that is that's my why overall. Yeah. So the business is kind of once people are in the organization, but all of the TikTok and um that kind of support is is then getting them into the organization and and just it's so hard to to stop when you 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 know, Fran's a friend. Like yeah. I, I want I want to see a hundred Fran's. Like yeah. why 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 can why would I not make the most of that? I mean, those numbers are incredible. I've someone was asking me the other day, it's like, does this what some do really, you know, do people really apply? And I was quoting hundred and I thought that's pretty impressive that you have hundred people in. Based on what you've just said, we are close to four hundred pretty much of people that got the jobs. Because two hundred that you know of, hundred and seventy-eight at the event that you um uh, through, through into the insurance. That you run into mm. insurance. So, you know, and I'm sure there are many more that as you said haven't even told you. So it's so powerful and it's so impactful. And there is the increasing trend of showing up online in in insurance and sharing that thing. If someone is listening to it and they go, I would love to, I would love to be part of this. I would love to support. And and I know we've had conversations in the past where you say, I think it's a bit less lonely now on TikTok, but certainly was at the beginning where people were 
Uh, it's not necessarily show up and be on TikTok, have your own account, but like help me. Oh, like I tell, I tell you how, I'll tell you how you help. Um, cause it is so clear, simple and effective. Okay. <laughs> so I have this, <laughs> I have this kind of fear that on TikTok, sometimes I look like I'm selling a pyramid scheme, yeah. right? I'm there going, <laughs> come into insurance. It's amazing. And everything I'm saying is really positive. And yeah. people look and go, well, of course you're saying that. And people assume I'm a recruiter. The amount of times I have to say, I'm not a recruiter. Like I'm, I, this is not what I do for a job. Um, so, so people kind of, particularly the younger generation, they're a little bit skeptical, mm-hmm. especially what they see on social media. So the first thing that uh, pretty much every user does on TikTok, I'm sure you do this too, is you validate the person that's talking to you by looking at the comments. Yeah. And if you go to the comments and there's nothing there, the person's a lone wolf. Mm. If you go to the comments and there are just comments that say facts, hundred percent, she's so right. Or like this page helped me like all of that stuff. You don't have to even ever make a post and you will be probably in some ways, even more so because you're helping a community establish, you are impacting and making people who maybe have a little bit of doubt left to think, oh, okay, it's not just her that thinks this. Like, there's clearly more to this. And in the same way, if you see people asking questions in the comments, Mm. jump in there and answer them. Because again, that's adding more merit because it means that there's a consensus of of us that work in insurance. And we, you know, we all know this. I'm sure there's a few exceptions, but I I haven't found them. We love this market. That's why we're here. That's why we're so proud to work in it. So like the more people can kind of find out about that and the people who are feeling this, um, like it's really a safe place for you to make that contribution without, you know, doing a day in the life or a get ready with me or whatever it is that you might dread doing. And if you want to do that, absolutely go for it. You know, there's some brilliant pages. Fran, Ethan's recently started. He's doing incredibly well. Um, and of course the Zurich, uh, grads and apprentices, um, and yourself and you'll know, and you'll know this yourself. If anything that I see that I think will be engaging for the followers to do with insurance, I will repost it. I will comment on it because I want, uh, the followers of my page to see this consensus of all the other pages. We're supporting each other. You won't create your page and be on your own. You'll create a page that's part of everything we're all doing and we will all boost your pages. I agree. And so if I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm going, okay, I want to contribute, where do I get started? Do I go on TikTok straight away? Do I start on LinkedIn? What do I, what do I do? If you're looking to help people find jobs, find out about insurance, I would absolutely just, it's TikTok. LinkedIn, generally they've already usually worked that out or they're in the market. Like it's a different, different social media channels for different objectives. So if you want to help people find jobs, TikTok by far is where you're going to have that impact. Um, so you can create your own content. Um, if you've got really cool things that you're doing or really great clients that you think they wouldn't mind some publicity and you think Sam might be able to come along and do a TikTok on this, Mm -hmm. just get in touch. And and we're looking for always for fun things to do like that. Uh, particularly where we can work with Phil, um, anyone who's seen Phil's TikToks, uh, will know the impact of those. Um, so you can get in touch with that. Um, if you see me walking around Lloyd's desperately trying to make eye contact with people, <laughs> I'm there looking for people to smile at me so I can walk up to you with my mic and do an interview. Um, there's there's a few, good few of those. When they're in Lloyd's, the views are always good because the credibility and the kind of buzz that people can see in the background, as long as it's not on a Friday, um, really engages people. And all I'm going to ask you is things like, tell me about your job. What do you like about it? And I'm going to ask you really simple questions and you have every right to tell me. I don't want that bit in there. Um, so there's no risk on you. Uh, I, I will never post anything that makes anyone look bad. Um, 
And equally, sometimes I've recorded things and people have sent me messages going, actually, I've slept on it. I'm really, really, please don't post that. And I won't. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not in this to, no. to, 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 it's not content yeah. over people, right? Like, yeah. if we're all doing this together. So please just wave at me in Lloyd's or drop me a message and, and we'll schedule a time I can come in and, and do some of these interviews. So it's, it doesn't even have to be on your page. I like that. Okay. That's, that's many ways to get involved. And I am not young. I'm a couple years, <clears throat> couple years into insurance. Do I even like, you know, do I show up on TikTok? Well, yes. You're more relatable than me. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, the reality is what I do, my day in their lives are, mine is incredibly unique. You know, no, nobody else has my job. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no other managing director of empowered development out there. Whereas if you're coming in as an underwriting assistant or a broken technician or a graduate, that is a relatable job for lots of other people. So your content um, in, in some ways actually has has more value. It certainly complements what, what, what mine's doing. So I would really encourage people like that to get on the page and message me so I can share your content because mm. like we see with um, Meg and Felicity, um, that, that, that's really well received. Yeah, yeah. And what mistakes do you see people making when they are getting started on um, social media and especially TikTok? <laughs> Do you know, I'm, I'm probably going to answer that in a way that's, um, sounds like a politician's answer. Um, uh, everyone's going to make mistakes. So I, I wouldn't look at this as a way of kind of going, how do you get this right from day one? And the reason for that is there's no recipe of how to get it right. Mm. Everybody's version of what is right has to be aligned to who they are. Mm. So what works for me would not work for you because we're not the same person. So you, you have to kind of accept that when you start putting videos out there, initially you're not going to get many views. Sometimes they might feel a bit cringy. Sometimes you might look back and think, Oh, that wasn't ideal. You know, the amount of times I get the, Hey, remember you posted this two years ago and I'm like, why did I post that? You know? Um, and that's fine. Like you, you shouldn't, if you, if you are looking at TikTok of a place to come on and do everything right from the beginning, you're not, you're not going to be happy there because you have to accept that some of your posts will not, won't land. Um, even the next day you'll change your mind about some of the stuff you've posted. That's, you have to have a sense of humor at yourself mm. on the page. Uh, and that's okay. You know, but last night I posted two videos you look at the two, I posted them within half an hour, each other. Mm. The second one is wildly better than the first one, just in terms of editing, because I put it out and then I looked at it, I was like, oh, it looks a bit sloppy with that. And then the second one, I made those changes. Whereas if I thought, oh, I have to, this to be perfect, you'll never, you'll never do it. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. <laughs> I love that. And, and what you started with your journey and why you've been able to make that change is I think it was, uh, you had a permission to fail. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, for me, that's kind of what's coming here. It's yeah. Start. And just see how it goes. It yeah. don't, don't be perfect there, but actually the impact that you can have is incredible. And I think one thing to really keep on highlighting, coming back to, you don't necessarily have to be producing masses of content. You can contribute on your content and all mm -hmm. the other contents yeah. um, by validating what's being put out there, isn't it? That's another way to get started. Yeah, and even if you want to do a post a week, you know, like like my, my responsibility I've put on myself is because um, of the communication that people are having with me, you know, so I want to reply to their comments with a video. I, I want to reply to their messages with a video. I want to promote this job that I just seen with a video. So, so there's, there's an urgency side to that. Um, whereas, you know, if you're just playing around with it and popping up occasionally, um, that's a completely different objective. So what surprised you the most sort of being on TikTok, engaging with a lot of people that, you know, are joining this industry, what surprised you the most in that journey? Um, this, just the scale of the reach, do you know, there was a great conversation. Um, my, uh, someone that works, uh, at Empower Hannah, 
she has a group of friends, about 16, like really solid friends. They've all been really good friends since school. So we all know each other really, really well. And she was out one evening and one of the group was just sat next to her. She's like, so what are you doing? Like, you know, work-wise and so on, like what's going on? And he said, oh, you know what? I I really want to get into insurance. And she's like, oh, (laughs) okay. Do you know that? Do you know what I do? And and he didn't, you know, he hadn't really put two and two together what she did, let alone what he said next, which was, I follow this woman on TikTok and she's always talking about, and she sat there like, that's, that's, that's where I work. Right. And I was like, oh my God, that's the goal, right? It's not even the people sending me messages and having that interaction. It's the fact that this is now a conversation because if he said that to her, who else has he said that to? And when people are going out and going insurance and other people go me too, rather than insurance, why? You know, that is a complete change in public opinion of what we're doing. Um, And for me, just us being a conversation of a career choice across society. And sometimes someone came on into insurance recently and we always ask people where they hear from and, and most of them come through TikTok, but one of them works in retail and he said, my manager told me about it. So this manager follows the TikTok page, turns wow. out, and it, they have then recommended it to other young people that, that they work with. So it, it's just the conversation rather than even the interactions. I mean, it, it goes back to that validation, a word of mouth it's much more impactful than if someone scrolled through it mm. because if someone recommended your TikTok now and that's where we're getting to, then that's incredible. Yeah. Wow, what an impact. Yeah. That's, that is, um, um, yeah, incredible. You're really, you're really reaching it out there. And, and what, what can we, you know, what can uh, people take away from kind of from this for the future? Because there's one thing around attracting talent, but as well, do you then keep in touch with people that come in and do they stay? So, um, do they stay? Impossible for me to measure. Um, but certainly it looks that way for sure. So one of the ways we keep in touch, we we've launched a networking group, um, uh, last year called springboard. Mm -hmm. Uh, we meet so many people, particularly around September on induction where we train them and we often train them on building relationships and networking. And then they often turn to me and go, where do I meet people? And one day we'll be with a broker and the next day with an insurer. And we're like, well, we've just met all of you. How do we get you in the same room? Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of springboard is to create a networking group for people in their first 18 months because it's great to have young professional events but if you are 19 walk into that room and it's full of 28 year olds it's still very scary so this is a very safe space where people can come together but also I'm going to be there so it means that a lot of this is where I, I, I meet so many people that say they've you know the page has helped them um and and also they meet each other and they've all got this thing in common and then they all become friends and you know we've got these brilliant people um, who just kind of create and facilitate these these networks. So friendships keep people in this market uh, a, a huge yes. amount. In fact, like one of one one person I can remember speaking to um, last year, uh, she told me that, that the main reason she's still with her company is because so many of her really good friends work there. There's no reason she needs to leave. But why look around when when she works with her friends? Um, and we can facilitate that particularly, you know, where we, we have all of these, uh, kind of, um, opportunities for people to come together. So, so from my perspective, it's, um, making sure that that culture stays, yeah. uh, in terms of you know, enough face-to-face, I'm not saying, you know, it's all face-to-face, but enough face-to-face that, that people are comfortable with it early on so that you don't suddenly turn 23, 24 and you're mm-hmm. thinking, Oh my God, I've got to go to my first networking event. I dread these, Like you should be used to it by then. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's actually, you play a big role in that because people are connecting together and 
they are becoming very comfortable in networking mm-hmm. so they can grow their careers as well meet other people which is just incredible to see when you speak to young people that are you know when I was starting in insurance I would be really afraid to reach out and speak to anyone but having those networks yeah. straight on because these are the people that you're going to grow up with hopefully in the insurance industry oh absolutely and, and yeah the people that you're going to do business yeah with. and they're the most authentic relationships yes. right all of your networks that you knew when your job title didn't mean anything right <laughs> they're the people that you can genuinely just go to and ask ask for help and yeah. um, like so the ones you make early on uh, are so so powerful yeah. I will just say while I'm talking about this as well the whole way that Springboard works is completely free um, but we just lean on the market to help us put it on so if you're listening to this and you're thinking oh actually we have a space we can host an event um, so we do sometimes mentoring in the morning breakfast sessions or we do um, evening sessions please get in touch the more events we can host the more you know we're, we're not going to run out uh, of demand for this there are so many young people on, on, on keen to attend these events I've, I've attended one of your events I got invited thank you very very much and it was just it was incredible you just had more and more people coming in I mean at the end I don't know how many people were there but it, it looked like quite a lot and it was so I literally was standing back and I was thinking <clears throat> I've attended thinking there'll be people standing alone and you know you need to make sure that you feel comfortable and actually they were all interacting with each other and they didn't know each other a lot of people didn't know each other but the atmosphere was so friendly yeah and so supportive it was just really nice to see that's it lovely was really nice nice atmosphere it's exactly what you want to see yeah so yeah. yeah well done and definitely anyone that can support that please 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 do because mm. <laughs> that's what ensures that retention yeah if you start feeling that you're connected you feel welcome you feel included part of it included you will stay mm. um and and that is it's one thing getting the people in but then it's making sure that they remain mm-hmm. so we've mentioned quite a few ways that people can get in touch but how can people get in touch with you and what's the best way they can follow not in touch with you, but kind of follow you and, and learn more if they don't know yet yeah um so uh i'm not hard to find um so linkedin is where i generally share more things that are related for insurance or things going on in the market so absolutely uh, find me on there and um, tiktok if you want to in you know feel like you get to know me a bit more that's probably <laughs> you know you're going to see more of me there um and then um instagram with with there as well um you, you'll probably see less of me that's probably more more kind of um the cii support we do and and um uh, sort of freebies giveaways that kind of initiative stuff that we tend to post on on instagram as well um but i you know i i, I love meeting people um i'm very involved um in the washable company of insurers uh, always worth i think mentioning that so people know that that's there that's available you'll often find me um at those events as well so um uh just yeah uh, get in touch say hi wave at me at lloyd's if you're there and come and get on the mic and help us with this impact Certainly, come up when you when you don't hide when your Sam is walking around. <laughs> come over, yes. <laughs> get on the get on the mic. So brilliant. What has been? I always close the podcast with one question. What have you been able to experience thanks to being in the insurance that you don't think you would have had otherwise? Yes, and I love listening to these answers. I was looking forward to sharing my answer on this because. Um, oh, just my, one of my one of my favorite things, and it's hard because again. Of course, so many. Um, so I'm a big football fan. Um, surprises a lot of people quite often because I, I don't necessarily uh, talk about that because I find it's uh, always a bit of a conversation closer if someone's not into football and I don't like to add to that kind of uh, vibe of, do you like football? No, um, but, I, but I am. And um, when I worked at Liberty, they were sponsoring the World Cup in Brazil. 
I was also, uh, where I was going through my divorce. Um, one of the ways I, I sort of took myself through that and tried to stay positive, proactive and give myself something to focus on. I, I made a new year's resolution to go abroad once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, which I ended up doing for, uh, three and a half years, but this is a whole other topic. Amazing. So I, I was like, Brazil. Yes. World cup. Yes. Like I really want to go with sponsoring. Um, and, um, sort of, short story. I'll do a long story another time. Um, but I ended up, uh, really kindly being given two tickets, uh, to the, uh, semifinals, um, which ended up being the seven, one game, the Germany, Brazil game front row seats. Wow. Um, and then also once I kind of got in touch with, um, the marketing team and said, Hey, like I'm going, um, any spare tickets, let me know. Um, I also got, um, a whole bunch of tickets to the quarterfinals at the American art. So not only did I get to go, um, I get, I got to, uh, go with my brother and, um, some of my good friends, uh, and have just generally the trip of a lifetime, um, in an, in you know, a, a place that's one of my favorite, uh, places in the world and certainly one of my best memories in ever, you know, um, and that would have just never come about if it wasn't for not only insurance, but also, uh, a network network, but also asking. Yeah. Oh, true. true. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think my exact words were, <laughs> you mentioned last night, I'd met this person, um, Mark Stevenson again, forever grateful for this. Met you last night. You mentioned, uh, you might give me a couple of tickets to, um, the world cup. <laughs> um, we had drunk a little bit of wine, so I don't want to, uh, <laughs> take this for granted. Feel free to say no, but I will book my flights today if you meant it. And he just messed back like, yep, they're yours. And I was like, oh my God, met someone yesterday wow. going to the world cup. So, um, so just, yeah, it, this is a brilliant market with people that are very, um, generous and, and want to help. Wow. I mean, what an experience, what an experience, what an opportunity, but as well, what a great lesson. Like I always, <clears throat> there's this book uh, that I read, but I did stop halfway through because I got the message, just ask. Mm-hmm. And basically it's a book where on every page, the, the writer gives an example of what happened when he just asked. Mm-hmm. And kind of you get halfway through and you get the message, just ask. And I love it because one, insurance does give you this amazing opportunities, gives you amazing connections, but also you've asked mm. and you've got it. And what a trip. Yeah. Yeah. What a trip. Yeah. I, I watched a TikTok, um, a hit. If you spend much time with me, you'll realize I, I start a lot of sentences like that. I watched TikTok the other day that said, um, that somebody had made their news resolution to get rejected a whole bunch of times with the mindset that if you just ask for lots of stuff, it'll be amazing what you get. And they found that they were asking questions, expecting the answer to be no, like maybe for a pay rise or mm. maybe for a trip or um, maybe outside of work and so on. And they found that that they actually ended up not, of course, not with yeses to everything and lots of things, but a lot of stuff, the answers were yes for that they thought were outside of their reach. I feel like we, um, this is a beautiful way to close because we've done another loop into a permission to fail, mm. right? And see what happens. Just give yourself permission to fail so you start and see what happens from it. Before we close, I want to say something, if, yeah. you, if, you, if, if you don't mind. I mean, no, please, to... go ahead. Um, I just want to say thank you for doing this podcast. Um, I hope you hear it a lot, but you are having a huge impact. Uh, even just the event, which I was so gutted I couldn't <laughs> make because I was in a different uh, part of the country at the time. Um but the buzz around it and the conversations people go to me, have you heard of this podcast? And, uh, and the, um, the community that it's creating is really, really powerful. And, um, and I think it's also a lovely example of 
you don't need to ask permission to do stuff in this industry. If you see a gap and you think this would help, um, just do it and, and people will get on board. So uh, thank you and well done. Thank you. I, I literally had tears come up to my eyes <laughs> and I was like, hold it, hold it, hold it. It means so much. And it means so much coming from you as well. And when, when you kind of, yeah, you're right. Just start something if you're a little passionate about it and see where it goes. And thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> but it's been lovely to have you on this podcast. I'm sure. I mean, I was, I kept on clicking of like Mark, 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 as in, you know, there's so many takeaways from here. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you for sharing as well openly. Uh, and I just, I can't wait to continue seeing your TikTok and just growing your business and how you grow and develop and meeting all these incredible people that, get to into insurance thanks to you thank you (laughs) thank you for listening to today's episode help me to share these stories with as many people as possible by rating the podcast and sharing episodes on your social media platforms Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to me. If you have any recommendations on comments, please get in touch. Don't forget to follow the podcast on social media at 100 Women in Insurance to find out about the upcoming releases, guest spotlights and top career tips. See you in the next episode.